Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I didn't like that idea. I didn't like the idea that the main reason that I was going to leave Ireland was going to mm. go because of a girl. Yeah. And I was like, and I liked Ireland enough. I liked Dublin enough. I had met enough people in Dublin that I was like, that I liked the people and the people that I met that I was like, I didn't want Dublin to become um, associated with the end of a relationship, with the with the ex girlfriend, with the breakup, right? Because yeah. I knew if I did that, I would never come back to Ireland ever again. Yeah. Hey everyone, and welcome to A Life in Dublin. I'm your host, Mark, and with your permission, we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least. Before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to try and answer a question a lot of you have been asking me. Lately, I've been asked on numerous occasions about why I started this podcast and about why I continue to do it. I've been avoiding answering the question in a meaningful way for quite a bit, but as this project now takes up pretty much all of my free time, I felt I owed it to myself and those close to me to answer the question. The first and maybe most important reason I'm doing this is despite all of the time and energy I put in, I seem to get that energy back twofold in many different ways. Thankfully, I still consider myself quite young, but I do have enough experience to realize that a project that gives energy back is not something you should throw away or discard easily. I'm extremely curious about how people navigate their way through life. Whether you're an accountant or a rock star, I think we all share human emotion or the human experience, and I take inspiration from hearing how people deal with the ups and downs of life. You can also take inspiration from these stories if you wish whether that be to try a new cafe in Dublin or take a leap of faith into a crazy new adventure. Most of all, I hope we can simply keep you company as you listen in while you prepare dinner, take a walk or commute to work. This gives me a great sense of satisfaction, but as for the Life in Dublin project, I don't know exactly where it will end up, as it now has an energy in and of itself. It seems to be attracting people from all different backgrounds and communities, artists, musicians, poets, comedians, computer scientists, whatever they may be. What I do know is that I will continue to be curious no matter who I'm talking to, and I hope that you'll continue on this journey with me so that we find out where a life in Dublin ends up. In this episode of the podcast, I was joined by Pedro from Portugal. We talk about his life in Dublin, Portuguese culture, his passion for comedy, and a lot more. 
Pedro joined us for a live event a few weeks back where he performed some comedy for us and had a chat with us. He was one of the reasons it was such a special night and I'm so really, really happy I had the chance to properly sit down with the man to find out a little bit more about him. You'll find links to Pedro's Instagram in the description of this episode. And as always, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We very much appreciate the time and attention you give us. If you want to reach out to us on Instagram, we'd love to hear from you. A link to our Instagram page is also in the description of the episode. And now here's my conversation with Pedro. Remember even what the topics I mentioned last night. So. Oh, this is going to be a completely, completely different, different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's going to come. You can't have the same thing. This is going to. We're going into the deep stuff today, man. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got it easy last time. I was like, all right, we just like some jokes and some funny. Yeah. So the last time we were chatting, obviously, um, as I sit back really far from the microphone, um, <laughs> the last time we were chatting, obviously, was at the the live podcast in the Black mm-hmm. Sheep, um. And it was just an, like we were chatting before we, we started and mm-hmm. it was an amazing night, amazing night. For whatever reason, everything came together in that night because it's one, yeah. of the, it's one of those things I think I posted about it afterwards. Uh, I always get a little bit nervous beforehand just because of the nature of it, I guess. But I had never met you. I yeah. had never met the musicians that, yeah, yeah. you know, so... You don't know who's going to turn up, yeah. um, which, you know, people probably listening is like, oh, this guy doesn't do his homework at all. <laughs> no research. I just got this guy from the street. <laughs> Pretty much. Are you not from around here? No, come on over. <laughs> um, but it was so much crack. It was so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your stand up was brilliant. You had everybody in stitches laughing, I think, which started the night really well. Yeah. Um, then... Obviously, we had a chat. The crowd were amazing that night. They're like in, really interactive. Um, and yeah, we chatted about it. I, for whatever reason, I, I remember like we were chatting about why is Dublin so unromantic? Yeah. The big topics. Yeah. Um, which you had mentioned yeah. in, in your stand up as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a bit about that, which is true. Uh, I wanted to debate here, of course, but like that Dublin was voted the seventh most romantic city. For uh, to be specific, the seventh most romantic city for like a, a weekend getaway. Oh, but that's yeah. a lot of things to, for me to say when I'm talking when making. But but I still found it interesting. There was a seventh. Uh, yeah, nobody wants to be number seven on the list. Nobody wants to be number seven on the list. And then also that Dublin is conceived to be romantic. <laughs> and I yeah. think, and then it was curious that somebody asked. Uh, Keep going there. Sorry. No, I'm no, no. Somebody asked about that specifically. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I kind of feel that maybe it's got something. Now that I've known the standard is for a romantic getaway, mm-hmm. maybe it's because of something like, um, you never know. It might be people who you know. There's things to do, I guess, if you come here for a weekend, like yeah, you go to yeah. Temple Bar, you go yeah. to the Guinness Factory. You, yeah. If it's nice weather, you can go to the parks. I can see how it would be. No, yeah, like I, I, we're being like very mean. <laughs> <laughs> the doubling, to be honest, because yeah, hundred percent. Like if I, I've had many friends visit me, visit me here at Dublin, and they always love it. Um, like because it's that weekend getaway. I get it. You get here, you go around town, you go St. Stephen's Green. Uh, there's 
lovely restaurants around. There's the pubs are great. The bars are great. So it's and I guess you can get like one of those little, or you call them carriages around town as well. So you can make it romantic for sure. Yeah. But I think if you live here, because like, well, I think I would like to. I've never lived like in Paris. I've never lived in one of those like maybe Florence or something, which we all consider to be super romantic. If I live there, I'm probably not gonna live in the nice parts. I'm gonna live in the shitty part somewhere. So my take on the city might be as well. Oh, Paris is not romantic. Well, I don't know. So if somebody's from Paris, let me know. But well, let's call this let's pay the spade here. Uh, Dublin is not a romantic city. No, not romantic. Yeah. I was trying. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> no. you. I was trying. I was trying. But no, it's not. It's not. But anyway, back to that night. Yeah. It was just um, epic. It was epic. Mm. Um, I, I really recommend if anybody's listening that hasn't come along to that. I'm not trying to like do self promotion. Like we don't. Nec- we're not making do. money out of this or anything like do. that. So. But come along. It's a free night. It's it's good fun. You've got the generosity of the comedians, the generosity of the musicians who turn mm. up and, mm. and perform for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to chat to people. And we had a great chat. Yeah. Like we were having a couple of beers afterwards. Not yeah. everybody was drinking, and that's totally fine as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't drinking. You weren't drinking. No, there no. You go. Um, so that's great. Like you can just come along and, and chat. Like, yeah, no, I, I had a, a, a lot of fun because I, I knew about the nights and I got really excited when I saw it was a live, um, like a, a live recording, right, of the podcast. And then uh, you asked if I would like to do stand up, and literally on, uh, we were just talking about. It. I always say yes. I really love. I was a bit. I wouldn't say I was nervous. But I was a bit. I wasn't sure what it was going to be because I didn't know um, how many how many times this had been recorded live. Is this like the audience comes? Has this happened many times or not? And also, it's not the comedy club kind of context where there's a, a host, an MC that comes yeah. and does ten minutes and talks with everybody. Then I show up out of nowhere. I was just standing there chatting with some of the people I was <laughs> I was going to stand up for but I I, I really like to I think honestly uh, props to the audience big time like I really I think like of course comedy is very much about you know the comedian making the right jokes and doing it properly doing it but the audience was really I don't know they were so giving to the point then when we were recording well the the, the last podcast uh, we yeah, yeah they were so engaged and it was so so funny it was so easy to talk uh, we talked we talked a little bit about some more personal stuff a little bit yeah. but I felt like oh I can talk to these people like they they've heard me do jokes where I talk about some personal stuff as well so I can definitely do that yeah yeah it was it was great fun and um, and a perfect night to be to be honest it was, was just great. a perfect night um I actually had a, a good question at the show just on, on the most recent one on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I know your answer to this before you've you've even given it to oh. me. But just because of, of what we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. But the question was, what do you think or where do you think is the Florida of Ireland? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. The Florida. See, but there's different, there's angles. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the angle? Are you talking about Florida in terms of like the nice weather with the amusement parks and uh, the Cubans? Mm. <laughs> Are I, we talking about the Florida man? I think what I, what I picked it up was maybe the person meant something totally different. Yeah. But uh, I picked it up as Florida. The man. Florida man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, See, like the second one might be more fun. Uh, exactly. Because the first one, I don't even know, like Tato Park. Maybe that's where, <laughs> where Florida is for Ireland. Oh, that's a very good question. 
I, I make a lot of jokes about Longford, so, so I would very easily go to Longford, but then I feel, I, I'm starting to feel really bad about it because I've done that, I've, I've some jokes about it and I've done it enough that I'm starting to feel bad. I feel like I need to go to Longford and do like a tour of apologies. <laughs> <laughs> everybody I'm so sorry I make jokes about you uh, I would say Longford though I think uh, from from the little that I know of Ireland I, I yeah it it's, it's funny I don't know I actually don't really know that many people from Longford so I can't uh, I we can't... had like three people at the audience on that day that they had somebody some relative oh really from Longford and every time I do this joke somebody has a cousin or an uncle or somebody <laughs> but nobody's from there <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is so funny yeah distant ancestors yeah. were, yeah, were yeah. some connection um yeah i for me it, I, for me it wouldn't be mm. would it be longford i don't know I'm trying to think of the most ridiculous place <laughs> See, um, that's a problem you have to think about something ridiculous and then just insult it which just i'm just gonna go with uh this could be controversially controversial but because of those two politicians i don't know if you know danny and mikey mikey michael healy ray and uh, no, um, they're sorry. from kerry uh, oh wait, they, you know, with a very specific accent. The very strong yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, those those lads are just mad. They're all a bit mad down there in a very, very good way. Yeah, yeah, in a yeah. Very yeah, good yeah. way. Um, but in the best way. No, one of my best friends in Ireland. She's from Kerry, and yeah, um, you'd you'd think I would have more jokes about them, but like I've been to Kerry twice, and both times I've been there, it it was always super sunny. So the opposite oh, well. of what everybody tells me it is. Yeah. And everybody was so nice, although I didn't understand them. Yeah, it's a totally different I accent. didn't understand them. Uh, yeah. And I feel like, I felt like after like I'm almost seven years there that I was, I had a pretty good grasp of Irish accents. Mm. No, there's no, I can't, there's no way. When they're proper carry. Uh, I admire them to a certain extent because they must get so much tourism, particularly Americans going straight down to Kerry because like, I guess... When you think of the postcard image of Ireland, it, mm -hmm. it, it almost is. You know, it's the west coast of Ireland, mm -hmm. it's County Kerry. Mm -hmm. um, but I admire them from this point of view that they have made zero effort <laughs> to like adjust their accent a little yeah. bit so that they might be understood. Yeah. Uh, no, they're just no. going full steam ahead. Not accommodating at all the Americans. Fair to them. I know. Yeah. Props to Kerry. If you're from Kerry, you're the best. Uh, you're definitely not the Florida of Ireland. Uh, well, we'll you're see. the jewel. <laughs> Isn't it? Is it like jewel, the jewel of Ireland, something like that? Kerry, um, they call it the kingdom. The kingdom, sorry, not the yeah. jewel. Kingdom, sorry. Kingdom. kingdom. Uh, when did you actually come to Ireland? Um, so I came here in September. I don't remember the day, but like late September 2016. Okay. So I think 20, some day like that, 24, 25th, 23rd. And I came here very much thinking I would stay for a year, figure out life, and then just like have an experience and then just go somewhere else. Not mm. sure where at the time, but like, mm. and but here I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did how did you end up sticking around for so long? Um, I, I mean, I guess it's an interesting story. So, like, I guess like we this is the the kind of thing that you never know about life. So I I was living in Japan. I think I might have mentioned that on, on last time we were doing the live show. Uh, I was living in Japan and I was finishing my master's there and I finished and I went back to Portugal for a while and I had a girlfriend from from Ireland, uh, half Latvian, half Irish, but she lived here in Dublin and 
when I was done with my 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 master, I was like, well, I'm really sure what to do. I don't want to stay in Portugal because I, I I still wanted to be abroad. Uh, I really like being out, even though I love my country, I love being there. I love being outside of it mm. uh, for now. And I was like, well, I'm going to go in. I also at the time loved my girlfriend, so let's go. And I'll go to Dublin. And then we had decided the time we'd be here for a year, then figure out what we want to do next. But then, yeah, I just got a job. And then things, did, you know, to be quite honest, I come from Portugal, where at the time I think the minimum wage was like something like 600 euros per month, maybe even mm. less. So when I got here, even though at the start I just had a minimum wage job, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this yeah. is like four digits. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it, the relationship was going well, so I stayed. Work was going well, so I stayed as well. Uh, and then eventually when the relationship ended, uh, at the time, actually a lot of my friends were more like, well, you've you've done your time in Ireland. Like, you know, you at the time I was not at a great job. My job wasn't great. Um, and the relationship had ended. And so a lot of my friends were like, oh, you've done it, you know, go back home or go somewhere else. I think you have like your, I've, I've been two years in Ireland at the time. And at the time, I was like, I, I didn't like that idea. I didn't like the idea that the main reason that I was going to leave Ireland was going to mm. go because of a girl. Yeah. And I was like, and I liked Ireland enough. I liked Dublin enough. I had met enough people in Dublin that I was like, that I liked the people and the people that I met. That I was like, I didn't want Dublin to become um, associated with the end of a relationship, with the, with the ex-girlfriend, with the breakup, right? Because yeah. I knew if I did that, I would never come back to Ireland ever again. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. So at the time I actually decided against literally most of the advice I got from <laughs> from my friends of like, no, no, I'll stay here and I'll I'll figure out Dublin. Yeah. And then I'll leave when I want to because I'm I'm done with it in terms of like career wise or and because I do stand up comedy at the at the time of the breakup, that's when I started going to comedy clubs and started doing stand up comedy again. I used to do it in Portugal for years in Portuguese. And when I was here, and then that's when I started doing stand up as well. And I kind of felt, well, I, I'm I'm enjoying doing this now in English. I kind of want to see where this goes. So I I just said, no, I'm going to stay. And I'm very happy that I decided. I've made some of my best friends uh, after that time since I stayed. I've my my comedy career, even though I'm you know I'm not on Netflix or anything like that. It's it's uh, it's been really good. I've been doing way more stand up and I enjoy it very much. And my nine to five job also have a way better career there than I would ever imagine. So yeah. how different is um you know <clears throat> apart from the language, obviously, is mm -hmm. there a difference in the in culture or the sense of humor uh, in in Portuguese versus in English? Completely, it's not yeah. the same at all. Okay. No, it's completely different. Well, it's not completely different. I mean, like sarca sarcasm and stuff like that is the same. But um, it, there's two things, right? There's one is the language. So the tool that you work on in writing a joke, let's say, or telling a joke, it's language, right? So it's yeah. the grammar, the verbs, the words that exist, the vocabulary that exists, and intonation and the flow of where words can come in a sentence. So like yeah. a lot of jokes, they're structures. And for example, one thing that when you write jokes, you understand is that the funny bit has to come to in the end, mm -hmm. right? So just understanding that, you know, whatever word is going to make people laugh comes at the last word of the sentence or ideally 
Portuguese and English are already different there. So some words in, in a sentence in English will, the funny words would be in the end, but if I translate into Portuguese, it'll be in the middle and I'll destroy uh, the joke. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. in different languages even more, right? Uh, different languages have different st grammar structures and things like that. So that's one thing. So I had I used to have it at the time when I started doing stand-up in English, I had like 15, 20 minutes in Portuguese. And from those 15, 20 minutes that I, that I had in Portuguese, I think I got like five jokes into English. Wow. That made sense in English because of the structure. Because you would have had to rewrite them completely. Yeah, so they became other jokes. Yeah. Or they just weren't as funny. Yeah. Or, and then you have the other part, which is, as you mentioned, the cultural aspect. So the cultural references of how Portuguese people find things funny on how do you, or how do you say things in a funny way for the Portuguese way of seeing comedy and the way you say it in English. And I guess there's even a third level, which is uh, how developed stand-up comedy is as a craft in English, right? It's 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 an English-speaking, originally-speaking craft. Okay. Right, it started with the, with the Americans and a bit of the English doing some sort of, like, uh, monologues in cabarets and things like that, right? Yeah. There were, of course, monologues in other languages, but they were not the same, right? We have in Portugal, the, the way that comedy developed in Portugal, if stand-up comedy did not exist coming from the U.S., Portuguese comedy was not would not go towards stand-up comedy. We had different kinds of things that we find funny. Mm -hmm. So stand-up comedy is not, well, nowadays it's a bit more, but at the time when I was doing it, it was not that developed in the sense that people understand uh, how jokes are made. Right here, if you talk with anybody who speaks English or like anybody who comes from an English-speaking like background, it's very easy, you know what the punchline is. Yeah. The term punchline exists. There's no punchline word in Portuguese. Okay. There's no word for punchline. Mm. You say maybe end of the joke or or you say the word punchline in English. Mm. Okay. So even in the language, uh, we do not conceptualization. We don't have the word for punchline. We would say something like fin da piada, the end of the joke, or we use the setup punchline. Anybody, a lot of people here when I talk uh, with anybody from Ireland or whatever, they know what a setup is. Oh, that's a setup punchline. They kind of know a little bit. You've heard that it's in the zeitgeist, whatever. So, and I'd say it's the same for different languages that have stand-up comedy, like I, I imagine French. And, and then the style of comedy is also different, like in Portuguese, it's not storytelling, but it's very conversational in a way as well. Um, because the first set of comedians we had in Portugal, they were very, um, how do you call it, a deadpan comedy. Yeah. So they're very serious, very quiet. Uh -huh. A lot of the first best comedians, stand-up comedians in Portugal were that style. So that became what a lot of people thought that's what you do for stand-up. Right, so you don't have a lot of uh, absurd nonsense comedians. You only have very dark comedians that are very, very deadpan and they're always very cocky. Ah, uh, okay. They're not very against themselves, right? There, there's not much. What's the word? Um, uh, You're laughing at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of that, but not much. It's mostly the famous, the biggest ones are always about making fun of somebody else. Yeah. And they're the smart ones. And I think that comes a little bit of culture. Now, I'm generalizing there. If somebody is Portuguese, there's loads of comedians. I know Portuguese comedians who are make fun of themselves and stuff like that. But the bigger, most famous ones have that style. So coming here to Ireland, completely different style. Uh, a lot of more, a lot more storytellers. The language is completely different. So writing jokes, what I did after a while of doing my terrible Portuguese jokes translating to English was to just start writing in English. Yeah. I had to write in English and I had to think, how does this sound for somebody? Not only that they're natives of the language, but people who speak language like myself as a second language. 
right? So I think some people ask me uh, like if if that's a challenge. I yeah. actually think it's an advantage. Okay. And I say it's an advantage because um, for comedy at least, like nowadays everywhere in Europe and around the world, there's a lot of people from countries who are not English speaking who do comedy in English. Yeah. A lot of people watch the Netflix specials or whatever. Mm. So when I write a joke, I don't need to write a joke from an Irish only perspective. I write from the international English perspective, from somebody who lives abroad perspective. And a lot of people who now listen to c- comedy have that perspective. Mm-hmm. So when I do comedy here, sometimes some Irish community might be like, oh my God, they're only tourists, so they don't get it. Mm. I'm like, oh, amazing tourists. <laughs> yeah. I, I I know them. I know what they're, I, what I can talk with yeah, them. Or, and I can talk with the people in Dublin because I also know how to, li- how to live in Dublin. Now, what I get as a challenge is if I go down the country, I don't know yeah. much about that. Yeah. So then I feel challenges, but I think that's just a cultural challenge, not the language cha- challenge. Mm. Is that something that you have to do though? I mean, I'm, if you go down the country, is it, is it a done thing for a comedian to like use like reference local things? I mean, not necessarily, but like maybe like for example, I so I have a whole bit right about Dublin rent. Like if yeah. I, I can go down the countryside and talk about it, they'll know about it, but they won't care. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, they shouldn't. That's fair. So what I mean is like in terms of subject. So for example, if I'm talking, which would make sense, right? I'm an Irish comedian. I'm going to talk about things that every Irish person knows knows from the '90s, maybe or cultural references everybody gets. If I'm making jokes about a particular accent without explaining the accent, mm-hmm. Irish crowds are gonna go crazy. Like if yeah. I start making a quirk accent. If you don't know what the hell that is, you have to explain this is an accent from a region. Yeah, okay. So if you, and a lot of Irish comedians know how to do that. Like they, they've played for so many tourists, they know exactly how to frame that. Mm-hmm. But I, that's what I felt when I started doing comedy, um, Sorry, when I started writing in English, and then I did, I went to Edinburgh, for example, to do uh, the, the Fringe Festival. It wasn't that like a lot of my jokes were good for them because they were jokes about dating, about my life. Like I didn't write jokes about living in Dublin at the time, yeah, because that was not my perspective. My perspective yeah. was like just my everyday life. So pros and cons always. I think yeah. I remember some of my Irish comedian friends when we went to Edinburgh the first time. They had a little bit of a challenge because they all their jokes were about. Irishness. Cultural references to Ireland. Yeah. yeah. So they had to adapt. So I think that's, again, it was also not like it's a con against them. It's just, it's a challenge, but like not a, a negative challenge. I don't think it's, English is not that hard of a language, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, in terms of writing jokes, because like I said, it's been so well developed in stand-up comedy. There's plenty of examples for you to look in. Yeah, so much content, which you can just kind of tune into. So um, much. It's interesting, though. I, I've never actually... Maybe you you'd be able to kind of help me out, or maybe you'll say that I'm wrong. But in all the years of me hanging around Dublin and you know getting to know an expatriate community quite well, mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. never met that many people from Portugal. Um, <laughs> plenty of Portuguese speakers, but yeah. you know Brazilians. Yeah. But um, very few Portuguese. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's that many here. In the, there are in Ireland. Um, there's some Facebook groups that I'm still part of, uh, okay. although I, I do try to avoid those, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. But I've, there's there's not that many Portuguese people here, but also, and I might be wrong, this might be just my perspective as a Portuguese person, like we don't stick around as much. Okay. I think we all kind of live our own lives. I mean, I know there's a little bit of a community and I know there's some uh, Portuguese events. I've actually never been part of any of them. Mm. Uh, and I have some Portuguese friends here uh, in Dublin that uh, one of them actually was is my best friend from 
from home, from my hometown. Also, we immigrated here some years ago to you know to work and everything. Uh, but I think if I'm talking about Portuguese people, I think I might know like four. Really? Yeah. I think I know more Brazilians. I have more yeah. Brazilian friends than Portuguese friends here. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, there's not that many Portuguese here, and the ones that are, we kind of like stick to ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Is there any particular? Is there any reason? I don't know. <laughs> I think no, but just because there's not that many here, right? Because the Portuguese community is really big in France, in Switzerland, in Luxembourg, in Belgium. So over there, I know, like if you go to France, like if you go to Paris, like you have loads of streets with just Portuguese coffee places and bars and restaurants and you go inside and you have all the scarves with you know Portugal Benfica Porto Sporting Ronaldo Eusebio they're more Portuguese than I am like even though I'm also an immigrant and uh, every time you go away from your country you kind of at least sometimes you just feel a bit more connected to your country right because it's back there it's uh you kind of like uh find yourself which i found myself every once in a while getting drunk and listen to the shittiest portuguese music ever i i had the exact same experiences when i was abroad it's yeah weird yeah you it's just want to hear thing. the shitty music yeah i started listening to bloody river dance <laughs> i'm drunk from the pub sometimes yeah not once have i ever listened to this in real life man there, back I, in life man. i wish i sometimes i wish i could show my irish friends like how bad some of those portuguese songs are because <laughs> if somebody who listens to this hears this is portuguese from Portugal, like they'll know there's one particular song which I'm not going to talk too much about, but it's called A Canção do Imigrante, which is literally means the immigrant song. Mm-hmm. And it's the saddest, funniest song ever. So the song was written to be a sad tragedy, but it becomes very funny because it's about the song is about it's a warning to all the every summer Portuguese immigrants come from France. Uh, they drive a car all the way from France back to Portugal to go to their village, the town, and spend the summer there, right? That's okay. Every here in Portugal, in the beginning of August, every news channel is going to talk about the immigrants are coming. Oh wow! There's loads of parties. It's an amazing month. Um, if you go to the, especially in the north of Portugal, where you have a lot of uh, families from Portuguese families that went to again Switzerland, uh, Luxembourg, Belgium, France, they all come back, spend a month in Portugal, make the biggest, nicest parties in those towns, and they're amazing. They get freaking drunk. It's <laughs> loads of fun. But there's this song about. Uh, it's a warning about uh, saying "vem devagar imigrante," come slowly, immigrant. Like come back slowly, like drive slowly. And a guy with this very sad uh, singing voice, singing about a guy that was rushing to come back home, and it was raining because he knew his father was at a hospital waiting for him. So he's rushing, he's rushing, and then it's raining. The car has a crash. Everybody dies in the Jesus. car. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It sounds horrible. If you know the song, you'll know what I'm talking about. And then the father <laughs> is at the hospital in the bed. He hears about it and he dies. Oh, man. <laughs> so please drive slow, immigrant. You know what I mean? It's the funniest, shitty song ever. And I. <laughs> what was the moral behind that story? Just drive slowly. I'm depressed with the guy who actually wrote it. I, it's hope, a... I hope it's not a true story. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's. I mean, I. To be honest, not to be mean about it, I'm pretty sure stuff like that has happened, right? For sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, I, yeah, I, I find myself listening to these songs and there's a lot of this, we call them musica pimba. Pimba doesn't mean anything, just means kind of like this kind of like uh, happy songs, like with an accordion okay. uh, that people play in towns and stuff like that, yeah. uh, where you have like the little dancers next to it and stuff like that. So yeah, I ended up 
watching a lot of that and um, and listening to a lot of that song sometimes when I miss Portugal, yeah. which I guess a lot of people who live abroad, sometimes you just miss uh, or you watch like the particular memes from your country or you find a video on YouTube from the early 2000s with like all those uh, silly things that happen on your TV and you like you watch that and you're like, oh my God, that's part of your culture in a way. Um, so I do that a lot, but yeah, I don't go into like uh, Portuguese events. I don't think there's many. But now in Dublin, there's two coffee places, as far as I know, that called Café Lisboa, something like that, where they sell pastéis de, de nata. Amazing. Where, where's that? There's one somewhere in North Dublin. I don't think it's that far away from Capel Street. Okay. If it still exists, because a lot of the Portuguese businesses go down very <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'm going to be ostracized by the Portuguese community <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. after this. And I saw another okay, one. There's only four of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of them, so three others. Uh, and there's one uh, near the International Bar. Which if I don't know the name of the street. I know comedy clubs. That's okay. why I don't know the name of streets in Dublin. I know where comedy clubs are. Well, International Bar would be, is that uh, Wicklow Street? Could be. Uh, could be. I could, could be also Wicklow be wrong. Street. It could but, also be wrong, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's around there, yeah. Uh, I'll have to check it out. We'll try and find out what it is and, and put a description in the in the yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, Sponsor me, Café Lisboa. I'm Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> I'll go to your coffee. I'll tell a couple of jokes. Give me a pastel. There I'll be go. fine. Um, what's the typical... Uh, maybe this is a very difficult question to mm. answer. I don't know if I'd be able to answer this even if you asked me about Ireland, but mm-hmm. I'd like to know maybe what the the typical Portuguese character is because listen if you think of Ireland right let's think of internationally who the Mm -hmm. most famous Irish people are I could think of two Mm -hmm. Um, there's plenty of examples but maybe someone might come to mind Conor McGregor and uh, Bono right oh come on those two you have better We we have better, but like let's take them, their okay. personalities. Okay. I would not describe their personalities as very Irish. These are very mm. like like they at least they come across as very confident, mm. uh, big mm. egos, um, you mm. know, loudmouths in their own way. Mm. Um but perhaps if if you're from bloody whatever country and you don't mm. really know much about Ireland other than these two, you might think that. Then I think of Portugal and you have like Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, you have Jose that, yeah. Mourinho, yeah, um, <laughs> and these are like the like serious egotistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm guessing that that's not representative of the typical character there. No, no, hundred percent, they're not. I think um, to a certain extent they are. Right? There's the, the, the beat that I. Well, again, I think this is very subjective. This is my opinion and view of Portuguese culture. I guess in a way, I mean, I can definitely see some of those traits coming from the way of being a Portuguese, but in the sense of if you're really good at something, we we do get cocky. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. we like like in, but like I'm talking like in a professional kind of setting, right? Like uh uh-huh. like you know like you're really good. Like we we do have this to an extent that sometimes I also don't think it's nice. Like, you know, both Ronaldo and Mourinho, which I love in the sense of being Portuguese, either athlete or coach, sometimes I have attitudes. I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> That's a horrible yeah. attitude. So, But I, I think there are extreme cases, like Conor McGregor for sure is an extreme case and Bono for sure is an extreme case. But I would s- see some of the little bit of the cockiness sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's very particular because we have, uh, a, in my opinion, a big inferiority complex. 
Okay. Generally speaking, again, I'm not talking about any individual Portuguese person. So if you're a Portuguese person, yeah. I'm not talking about you. We should we should say that. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of this uh, yeah. podcast, in some ways, is to kind of break down the categorizations. Yeah. But at the same time, these things do exist, and I think you can be proud of them. Yeah. And also, you they can be fluid in the sense of it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Like, this is we're not saying this is how yeah, 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 Portuguese yeah. person is. Exactly. Exactly. So because it it goes in, in in like this. So for example, like I think we have. Uh, a really big warmth as people, um, which you can see sometimes if you look at Mourinho, if you look at videos of Mourinho when he's playing with his players, when he's making jokes with his, the players that he loves, yeah, then you see that Portuguese is like nice, really nice and warm, picking it up. That is Almost very like family, right? Yeah, we're very family oriented, I think, uh, as as a people, and um, we do have this inferiority complex more in the let's say again in, using that big word zeitgeist of what being Portuguese than like an individual person. So like the, the this inferiority complex comes in you know, from historical reasons, from being the the smallest neighbor near Spain, even yeah. though they're not a huge country, but we are the small the the, the small yeah. neighbor, from an historical sense. Uh, and I'm talking about this in any pride, but like in a historical sense, from the loss of the empire in yeah. a way, right? So I would have loved to meet a Portuguese person from the 17th century because those guys probably were like very cocky yeah. and very like life is amazing, like you yeah. know, for for their on their perspective, because that kind of again loss of the empire and other things, and we had the dictatorship for like almost 70 years, that I think had an impact in the way people are. A little bit of an inferiority complex, uh, a little bit afraid of doing some uh, something scary sometimes, and this is the negative part, right? That I think that some Portuguese people have being a little bit patty, in my opinion. Um, but then the nicer part, which definitely Ronaldo Mourinho don't represent all the time, is that warmth, which I do think that we actually have as people, and we more often than not are very smiley people. Uh, very talkative, not in a loud way like Spanish. Mm. <laughs> no, but like we're very talkative, as clearly you can see from me. <laughs> uh, we love joking around. I think we have really good sense of humor as people. And I think we are one thing that I think Portuguese people have. And again, I think in that way, Ronaldo and Mourinho do in a way show is we're very flexible people. Mm. We're very adaptive Adaptative? Adaptable. Adaptable people, mm. uh, which I think that's more connected with the recent history of us being also like Irish people, immigrants, right? Going yeah. to France, going to Canada as well, going all over the place. And because the, the circumstances back home are not usually, are not that great, uh-huh. like they're not terrible, but they're not that great, right? Like if you're, there's a reason why I left and why I stayed here is also because I'm 33 now. And I'm very sure that if I'd stayed in Portugal at 33, I would not be working in the career that I'm working. I would probably be in much a tougher situation, definitely not getting uh, a salary that I would be, uh, would allow me to do what I want to do with my life, things like that, like, uh, and spend my time doing comedy, things like that. Uh, so I think Portuguese people are very adaptable and very outwards focused, like we're very good uh, to go somewhere else and start working and do and build our life. So those, I think, are some of the good parts. Um, you can parts. see in in some respects, well, without going on too much about these two guys, but yeah, you do see, like having watched documentaries about. Mm. Uh, I used to love Mourinho, um, and I still do respect. I was like, why not anymore? I, <laughs> I, I still respect him a lot. Yeah, uh, I think he went to the dark side a little bit when he went to Real Madrid. Mm. Um, 
the the kind of yeah. the, the the dark arts that he was using became really dark uh, <laughs> yeah. there. And I remember like yeah. when he was, I think he didn't he kick Fabergas on the ground and everything. Like I was like, it's okay. quite possible. Yeah. Did <laughs> I mean, my only, and I don't want to make this about football, but the thing that I understood about him there is that he understood that he was playing against, you know, arguably the best football team in the history of football. Yes. Like Barcelona. I mean, there's no way you can talk, like that team was amazing. And even though Real Madrid had like amazing players, he knew he could not play against those guys playing fairly and clean, you know what I mean? So I'm not just a fan game, but I, I know what he did. He was like, I'm going to make these guys hate each yeah. other. But he did went a little bit to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, he did. But he did his job. He won the league and then he was fired. He did. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, those, there's that famous scene of when he left Inter. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was hugging his players goodbye. Yeah. And you could see the pure, like, it was yeah. real emotion. Yeah. Like, the players yeah. loved him. And you often hear the Chelsea players as well, the first team that he had. Yeah. They yeah, loved exactly. him. Um, and... Uh, Listen, whatever, you, like, when so many people have opinions on Ronaldo, and yeah. you know, I, I am a Liverpool supporter, so I've always kind of been one way on him. But yeah, yeah, I, I remember not so long ago when Portugal were over here playing. Yeah, um, he was, by he was just unbelievable. He scored two goals in the last few minutes and just like broke all of our hearts. But a little <laughs> girl ran onto the pitch afterwards, and you know, yeah, he gave he was just so quick to give yeah. her his his mm-hmm. jersey, which. It was incredible, really, yeah. because, you know, she was being chased by the police or whatever. <laughs> and they were like, get off the pitch. But Ronaldo was like, no, 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 let this little girl take Yeah, Like, he's very, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. does, I know he does so much for yeah. charity. So you do see the warmth, uh, despite yes. the, their egos or whatever. That's what, that's what I mean. Warmth. Like, that it's it's very focused on the, the skill or whatever the thing you're good at. Yeah. The cockiness, right? Like, but... People don't like, I mean, like, and I'm not talking about his character or whatever, but like, you have to also understand this guy came from one of the poorest parts of Madeira. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, he comes from a really underprivileged family. His father was an alcoholic. His, most of his family had like issues, unemployment, other things. Has a little kid, he went alone to Lisbon. I think it was like 11 or 12 years old to stay alone in a dormitory with sharing a room with some other kid just playing football. Yeah. And he did what he did. So I'm not saying that this, uh, uh, I'd say, is a justification for like whatever bad attitude he has because he's a human, right? And he has all the spotlights on him. Mm. But that comes, I think that actually is, ends up being a good example in the sense that he does have that little bit of cockiness that you know, I'm not particularly fond of, mm. that Mourinho also has. But he has that warmth as the example you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But he also has that uh, flexibility and adaptability that mm-hmm. I do think that Portuguese people have to go out somewhere and make something out of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So which is good. Damn it, he's a good example. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, not expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> you um, you you decided then to I guess rearticulate your story after the after mm-hmm. the breakup um mm-hmm. with with that girl when you mm-hmm. first arrived here. You you mm-hmm. said to yourself. You know, this isn't the way it's going to end. Yeah. I, I don't accept this as an ending. Yeah. Um. I imagine it took a little bit of time then to kind of refine, find your groove again. Or oh yeah. Um. How how was that process, and how long did it take? Um. So if you came here in 2016, I'm I'm guessing mm-hmm. maybe whatever point mm-hmm. the breakup happened, and then mm-hmm. 
how long did it take you to find your feet here? Mm. Really, because I guess we're speaking now in 2023, you're, you're, you're basically a bloody Irish citizen <laughs> if you wanted to be. So I, yeah, 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 I get the impression, yeah. I could be wrong, yeah, but yeah. I get the impression you don't have any plans to leave anytime soon. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, Sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for you to find out this way. No, no, uh, I'll go back home for Christmas. Uh, no, that's that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah, it was um, a couple of years, so I think it was a 2018. And it's, it's not that I mentioned the breakup as the breakup being the most important thing, but it, it did become a combination of things. So I was, I, you know, I kind of that old cliche of finding yourself a bit, yeah. right? Especially sometimes after relationships, you kind of become the person in the relationship and you, and I think if you're in the wrong relationship, you kind of lose yourself a bit. If you're in a good, if you're in a proper relationship, you kind of develop yourself. Of course, you become a little bit different because you're in a relationship. It's a different kind of life. But if you're not being yourself in some way, manifesting that in some way, then in the end, I think it's a bad relationship. Like I'm not yeah. blaming, I, I blame both people in that relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, so when that happened, yeah, I decided I didn't want, I really didn't want Dublin to become that place because I had enough good experiences to feel like it didn't make sense. Also, I, I had a job that wasn't great. So for me it was, uh, here I am finding myself in Dublin. My job isn't great, but I think I can do better. I just started doing comedy. I think I can do better. Um, I don't know many people around, but I think I can do better. And I just decided at the time that um, if I'd gone back home, I would do a step back, not in terms of uh, jobs, something like that. Of course, it would be in a sense in terms of salary or open market, whatever. But in terms of as a person, like I saw that as... I say this now, not at the time. At the time, yeah. I'm completely confused what the hell is happening in my life. Yeah. But now I look back, I saw that as an opportunity that I need, I can grow up now. Mm. Like if I stick around Dublin, I will have to grow up. Yeah. I can go back to my parents' place or I can go back to where all my friends are going to be like, she's the worst, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> thank you so much. And then when I was, I stayed here, it was awful for quite a while but because I had to face the things that I did wrong. Mm-hmm. The things that that relationship didn't go well together, the things that she didn't do well, but also, and most importantly, the things that I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And why was I not doing those things well? And I think Dublin then gave me the opportunity to, I started working really hard to try to find better jobs, which I did. And I'm unbelievably fortunate to have a really nine to five job. Not That's not comedy that I'm very happy with. I'm very proud of. Um, but with comedy as well, like I just kind of, comedy was in that way, it saved my life. Mm. Uh, not as therapy although a lot of comedians say like you know comedy is better than therapy it's not do therapy fuck's sake <laughs> if you're a comedian you said I'm looking at a camera if you're a comedian and you say uh, stand up comedy is better than therapy no you do therapy please <laughs> take care of yourselves and then do comedy about the therapy yeah. then it's funny um, but it was something that I could do every day or most days that I could focus on and I think at that time I really needed that focus yeah. and I needed to be by myself a little bit even though it hurt mm-hmm. so I could figure out like okay what kind of a person am I really or what kind of person I want to be mm-hmm. and I had no nothing to block me becoming that person so I wanted to be somebody who does comedy I wanted to be someone, so not in the sense of somebody who has a career in comedy, which would be great, like, you know, filling up Vicker Street, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> but somebody that has comedy friends, somebody who does comedy, somebody that writes jokes, goes on stage, and then you see these people laughing at something you wrote. Like, even um, yesterday, I did an open mic 
at the Black Sheep. I don't know if I can mention places here, but at the Black 100%. Sheep, uh, from my friend Melinda Pereira and Two Open Mics every Tuesday. So there you go. He, might, he will be happy. And I did jokes there that I wrote two hours before. Some of them went well, really, really well. Some of them didn't go well, but that kind of um, uh, attitudes that stand up helped me with like write new things, do new things, go on stage, bump get through that suffering, right? That suffering is way worse than the breakup. Mm. If you go on stage many times, you're not funny. <laughs> Jeez, the breakup is easy. So I think that even helped me. So I, I don't know. I had it, um, just, I think from hanging around you guys and your comedian community so yeah. much over the last few months, yeah. talking to you guys from the podcast. And I've heard so many of your stories about bombing and how it feels <laughs> that I had a dream recently where... I was a comedian and I bombed. <laughs> oh my God, that's not a dream, that's a nightmare. <laughs> well, yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, and Nia, who you know. Yeah, uh, Nia, yeah. He, I remember in the dream he was there and he was in the crowd and he comes up after it and he goes, it's all right, Mark. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. That's what a, a comedian buddy would tell you. Yeah. You know they're not your friend if they say, oh, good one. Like, if they tried to say that was a good show, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. If it's okay. somebody you know and either they leave you alone because they're comedians and they're friends, so they know I'm going to... Just give that guy some space. <laughs> like, he knows. I don't need to tell him. Or they just say, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Let's, yeah. get, let's get a pint. Let's go get a drink. Or let's go outside. Yeah. That's a good friend. You have a good friend in here in your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, How did the... Like, why... Where did the... Can I get my words out now? Where did the interest in comedy come from? Um, oh, a long time ago, I think. Uh, I, I think for most comedians, like as a as a kid, I guess I just loved. I loved comedy. I mean, every kid likes comedy. It's not a hard thing to say. Oh, I love comedy. Everybody loved comedy, but um, I think I got really into thinking about it when I was in high school, and there was a Portuguese um, comedy group that just started doing sketches on like this uh, cable channel that was like the cool cable channel for like teenagers and like, you know, college students called Sig Radical. And the group was called Gat Fudorent, which means smelly cat. <laughs> and they were like, not the first, but they were doing like, you know, nonsense kind of comedy sketches. Mm -hmm. Something like, try to be like Monty Python kind of thing. Okay. So they came in when I was in 10th grade. So that was like a hit. Everybody would go and... Everybody had the DVD and you'd lend the DVD to your friends and borrow it so you could watch and you laugh. It would be the funny thing. Uh, and then because of those guys, I'd watch Monty Python when I was a kid. But I didn't really remember. But my dad was like, oh, that's like Monty Python. And so I watched the Monty Python movies in the show and I fell in love with the guys. I mean, I got fanatic with Monty Python. I, I bought all the books I could buy about Monty Python interviews, philosophy by Monty Python, their autobiographies, uh, scripts. I would go online and find their comedy sketch scripts and read them. And then one of my best friends, who actually the guy who lives here in Dublin, he, he loved that smelly cat group so much. He wanted to do homemade videos of sketches. Like he wanted to play at that. Like he was like, we were like 15 or something, right? So he had the camera, one of his, our friends had the camera. And he knew me because I did theater, like I was in this theater group, so uh, I was very, very good at acting. <laughs> <laughs> I just flipped my hair. I am bald, by the way, if you're listening to this <laughs> or if you're watching it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and he once, so he invited me because like we were buddies, we played football together. He's like, oh, you do 
theater, like you would be good to do comedy sketches. And I never, until that time, thought about writing a comedy sketch or acting on a comedy sketch. But for like three years, we filmed this homemade stupid sketches, which are on YouTube, and I'm never gonna tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> they're still on YouTube. They're there for Apart like. Apart from everyone listening to this now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them are kind of funny in a very like naive way, but other them are just horrible. But yeah, so we, I would. I got really into writing comedy because of that. Okay. So I started writing a lot of comedy sketches and trying to learn how to write comedy and stuff like that. And then kind of went to college, never forgot about it. That was always like a little bit my fixation. Like, oh, I would love, how do you do comedy? But in Portugal, there wasn't that many big comedians. Uh, so I never really understood how to do it. And then uh, after college, I was very much unemployed because it was 2010, and we all know what happened between 2008, 2012. Yeah. wasn't great. Uh, Ireland and Portugal took the lead prizes in that. In that yeah, respect, I think. Did you know what they call, used to call us? The pigs. Do you know about that? No. See, a lot of people in Portugal know about the pigs, but I think people in Ireland, you didn't get that in newspapers. So a lot of agencies called the countries that went down in ratings. They put them all together. Portugal, Ireland, Greece. Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain. So the pigs. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Assholes. <laughs> there you go. So they called us the pigs, and I hated that, right? But um, yeah, I was very much unemployed, and I decided at the time, uh, I had some bit of money that I'd like from some summer jobs that I could go to Lisbon. There was like this comedy writing course for three months. They just took my money, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I spent all the money I had to go to Lisbon, spend three months, like barely having any foods, like just eating, I think cereals every day, cause I had no money. And I did this three month course uh, of to write sketches and the uh, comedy. And I was so young, I was like 2021, 20, and I was so up my own arse <laughs> that I thought that if I do this course, because I'm so funny, I'm gonna be a star. Mm. It, that didn't happen, clearly, uh, <laughs> because it was just a course. Like, you finish the course, you're like, yeah, I'd see it. Thank for the money. Yeah. Now we can pay our rent, right? There was just a group of comedians doing that. It was great. I learned a lot. Everybody was great, right? But at the end of it, and I know this is a bit of a long story, but at the end of it, what they told us in that, that uh, course, that workshop, it was being made by a production company that they did like most of the biggest Portuguese comedy shows at the time, like whatever we had, they would do it. And they had their own little cable channel and they were making a, a stand-up comedy competi competition uh, called Caso Comic, which means hunt, hunt the comedian, something like that, like okay. trying to find a comedian. Uh, and they told us, hey, you guys can like, anybody can uh, apply to try to go to this TV competition and you're going to do a stand-up and somebody in there's going to be a winner so everybody just make some videos send us the videos and then we're going to choose some people to come and do the show brilliant like a competition like a, you'd be recorded doing stand up uh against somebody else doing stand up and then the judge like a, a couple of people would decide who goes to the next round kind of like a champions league mm. of shitty comedy <laughs> in my opinion so i i sent loads of video because then i was very unemployed so i like <laughs> a lot of time all the time i actually love the videos they're horrible but i sent all those videos and they would do a mixture of getting people who are actually really good and funny and people who are going to be stupid and bad so they would be funny mm. you know what i mean like yeah. let's embarrass this person kind of yeah. way i don't know which one i was but i got in uh and I, the guy I went against was even worse than I was. 
he literally threw an apple at the host. Like, it was horrible. I don't know if the guy was going through a bad moment. Wow, okay. But I'm glad he did, because uh, <laughs> I went through to the next stage. Amazing. And then the next stage, I tried to become like, I love, at the time I was listening, uh, seeing a lot of George Carlin. I don't know if you know. Yeah. Amazing comedian, mm. very like... Uh, nitty-gritty political so i was like oh yeah i'm gonna be like george carlin so i dress all in black i was 20 jesus fuck 20 dress and i wrote all this material being super edgy which was not funny so i went on stage uh i for the second round against somebody else i don't even remember who that person is so sorry um i think they did better than i did on the stand-up right uh, but then you had to do another thing they told us they gave us a topic and we had to write one-liners about it and say it and in the one-liners, I destroyed the guy. Mm. Like, I made really funny jokes, which had nothing to do with the style of comedy I did just yeah. prior. So because of that, they passed me to the semifinals. Uh -huh. And the guy, who's a very famous Portuguese comedian, uh, came to me and said, what you did first was horrible. Like, who's that guy? But those last jokes are really funny. Like, mm. you do that, and maybe you will see. And then I just did, it was my silliest jokes. So like they were really silly jokes, like really nonsense, surreal, very Monty Python. Yeah. So the guy liked that. So I, I did just that. I did four minutes of just the silliest, most random stuff about animals and like, really silly things, not like rude anything, just like things with ostriches and with weird alligators and stuff and monsters. And that went so well that I, I got second place in the TV wow. show. So I started doing stand-up comedy in the TV show in Portugal. And that's also online, <laughs> so you can still see me. That's really cool. Being really shitty online, uh, 21 years old, 22 maybe. Okay, so I, uh, I had assumed that, you know, comedy was something that you had decided to get into in Dublin, but no. I don't know, you've got this whole background in it and really is mm. something that you 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 live more than mm. you even, it's more than you love it. You, you've lived it now yeah. because you've it was such a passion from being mm -hmm. a young kid and it's nice to see that you've actually carried that passion through you know sometimes mm -hmm. we we lose or we don't have time for our mm -hmm. passions anymore and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, exactly. that's really cool that you you still do this i dropped it a couple of times uh for different reasons like when i was doing my masters so i i, I did it for two years in portugal and it was really fun but uh, I kind of just wanted to study abroad again. I, I had the bachelor's degree, but I really wanted to do a master. So I just wanted to go abroad and I did that. And then like for those years I did it, I lived in Poland. I was studying in Krakow. So I found some guys that did stand-up comedy in English in Krakow at the time. So I immediately jumped there and that was really good. Then I did another master's in Japan. Also found some guys who did comedy in English. So I always did it. So I always like to have comedy in my life a bit. And what I've realized is that regardless of what I end up doing in my life, uh, job-wise, if, if I make it or not in comedy, it's something that I just enjoy. Mm. So it's not like uh, my, like I have a profession of a job that I enjoy in different ways, but being a comedian, I take it more, as you said, something that I am, that I live, than just something that I like doing. So even though sometimes comedy can be really tough because you have some bad gigs, because you're not getting where you want to go or whatever the reason is, uh, if I remove comedy altogether from my life, and I mean comedy in the sense of performing and writing, not in being funny with my friends, something is missing there. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's just, I think I've been doing it for so long. It's become uh, a part of you. It's become a part of me, yeah. So like, I'm very much more, if I'm in, on a date with a girl, 
probably I would say much more proudly that I'm a comedian than I'll say I work in tech. Yes. <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very cool. I'd say yeah. it's pretty impressive for, for whoever you want to date with. Uh, it depends. <laughs> when they hear your jokes, they're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible comedian, yeah. Um, for anybody, if you're speaking to someone basically who might be listening to this, who, whether they're Irish or wherever they're from doesn't matter but they might be new to the city or else mm-hmm. maybe they just want to kind of explore other mm-hmm. aspects of the city maybe there's someone who's like i don't know been you know on drinking pints for the last <laughs> few years and kind of living that lifestyle yeah. in, in dublin and now they want to you know they want to get out and do things at mm. night there's they still want to be that that nighttime person mm. but they they don't want it to be like so much revolved around getting pissed or whatever. And yeah. they maybe want to meet new people. Yeah. Um, and just from chatting to the, like the community that around comedy, they're all so friendly and so nice, but it, despite saying that it can still be intimidating to do, mm-hmm. go to something like this mm-hmm. by yourself. Mm-hmm. So where do you think, or how do you think is the best place for, for someone to kind mm-hmm. of get into meeting people and mm-hmm. going to these types of events? Oh, that's a very good question. And I, I totally relate to that, especially, again, coming from Portugal, where culture where, of course, we also love drinking all that, but maybe at nighttime, coffee, coffee places are open till midnight. Yeah. So you can legit go to a coffee place where your friend is drinking beer and you're drinking uh, still water. Yeah. Or sparkling water. That's, that's okay. And that's okay. And you're doing the social bit that we all want to do at 8, 9, 10 p.m., not necessarily to like one or two. And I do notice that's one of my, I guess, complaints about them is the lack of sometimes having that, um, something that you can do and socialize without you needing to drink, right? Yeah. And I, I love Guinness, so nothing against yeah. it. But that's a good question. I'd say... For comedy, I mean, I was very lucky that when I started doing open mics, there was just a lot of people starting at the same time. Like, just a lot of people started in 2018. Mm. Like a bunch of people that do comedy now, they started that year. So we all were always in the open mics, right? Mm. And as months go by, not at the time, not at the first times you go do, uh, if you're performing in an open mic, a lot of people won't talk much to you, right? Because mm. they just saw you once. Like, who's this guy? Yeah. Like, okay. hi, hello. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk to you. But after like a couple times, month, two months, three months, you see the same people every week, week in, week out. That's, oh, that's the girl. I saw her do comedy last week. She was really funny. Then you go say hi. And then a lot of my best friends in comedy all came from that time of perseverance coming many times. I think comedy is a good way to go on a night out with a group of friends if you don't want to drink because you don't need to drink you could just need to sit get a glass of water yeah. watch some comedy uh, if you're performing um, as like an open mic the one that I just mentioned Black Sheep is really nice because Black Sheep is a really nice pub and yeah. it's in the basement it's called uh, Bits and, Pit and Pints Bits and Pints I think that's the name N2O oh, no, N2O is the name of the comic club in general and then the night is called Bits and Pints okay um, I think there's a lot of cultural offering in Dublin. And I think a lot of people associate that, that they need to be drinking while they do it. But you can go watch live music. I know there's a lot of live music, uh, open mics for like poetry, yeah. open mics for music as well, for comedy, where you don't necessarily need to go there and drink alcohol. Yeah, uh, You're just going there and enjoy and you can have a chat. And a lot of the people in this kind of scene of the open mics will be quite open to chat with people. Like yeah. if I'm doing a comedy and somebody in a nice way, in a friendly way after I do my gig, come have a chat with me, 
lovely if they're not awkward if they're not weird then i'm like hey what's up uh sometimes they're weird and you're like get away from me yeah. or if i had a bad night don't talk to me yeah. <laughs> i think there's though it does have a lot of that offering and i think people forget about it and they because i've met i talked this to a lot of my friends who are not from dublin saying there's nothing to do only going out for drinks i'm like not necessarily if you really look into it again we don't have that cafe culture here but there are cultural activities you can do without any uh, getting drunk because especially a lot of people work the next day so you don't want to get drunk you just want to get out you just there's a bit of like almost you need to do a bit of research you need it's, to do a bit of research yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's not so as you say it's not so obvious it's not obvious but if you I think the best but what's uh, even bright is that the name of the thing like yeah. those kind of pages if you look for it I think you'll find a lot of stuff uh, even I amaze myself because I only mostly go to comedy nights Mm. as a nature of what I do but sometimes I do like when we did the live show there was the band uh, Pablo oh Pablo and the Foreigners Pablo and the Foreigners great Amazing. great band they're so nice yeah I, such nice people they're the nicest people they're so sound and then I found out they did do two or three nights of one of them or is like open mic as well it's free to go and they're just there playing music and people can come in and do poetry. I mean, like that's where you meet people sometimes, yeah. especially if you're not from here and you want to meet some somebody. You can meet people at the bar without drinking because people are just having a good time. Yeah, uh, they're great. I think that night was called or is called the Embassy or something like that. Yeah, it could International be. bar on a Friday. But I guess just Pablo and the Foreigners, you can yeah. find them on Instagram. Yeah. I'm sure they'll put up stuff yeah, uh, yeah, about yeah. what they're doing. But yeah, they, they're phenomenal. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. Um. It's been such a pleasure having you back. I really appreciate you coming back on the podcast no, because you've obviously you did the me. live podcast and we messed up the recording of it. But you know what? For the people who were there, it was yeah. a special night. Let's mm. just leave it at that. It mm. was really special. Um, and I'm glad that we have that. We need to have that memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I think it was a really, really good night. But, but I'm super happy to be here. I know it's a completely different type of conversation. Yeah. But, but yeah. I enjoy that too. Like it's, Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to actually really adjust because I'm, I'm probably more used to doing these types of conversations than I am doing the the live show conversation I wouldn't say like you you looked very natural doing it so. I didn't feel it <laughs> <laughs> fake it till you make it yeah it's because right now I'm concentrating on you and you only mm. and mm -hmm. I know that you know we're recording this but mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point where I actually I don't, I'm not thinking about that anymore yeah, yeah. I, I'm, same, same. it's not like something I'm thinking of when I first started doing it it was I was like oh my god there's a red light on that uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, now I've just gotten used to it but when you're in front of a live audience it's you you have to your concentration is on on the people and mm -hmm. on the person mm -hmm. and you don't want to get mixed up in like thinking of a question for you and then not picking up on something that someone in the audience said mm -hmm. and just people. ignoring it or something mm -hmm. so you have to be much more it's it's a different uh it's a different role yeah and it's taken me I was explaining to someone actually before we started this it's taken me a while to figure it out and mm -hmm. I'm still figuring it out yeah um, and it's just a it's a doing thing I have to just keep doing it and keep learning from it um, exactly. see but that's exactly what that's exactly what stand-up comedy was for me and that's what exactly I think a lot of people sometimes do if you want to get out of get something get better at something just realizing that no one is ever great at something right away and you the more you do it the more you're going to get like natural at it and then maybe a couple of times you're going to do it yeah and somebody's going to say oh my god mark you're so natural yeah but well, you know it's it's work been, exactly <laughs> it's a lot of work it's a lot of fucking bombs or whatever you call it before that yeah, 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 yeah. um a few questions to finish yeah 
Um, is there anything that surprised you about Dublin, whether it be mm. it was something to do with the people, the the culture, the place? Oh, that's a very, very, very good question. Um, I, I think I had a general understanding that people here would be super lovely. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know if it's specific to Dublin, but for me, it was how, to me personally, again, this is my story, how well... Um, integrated i feel here mm. uh even though i'm not irish in, in this in any sense culturally but i feel like very welcomed by my irish friends Great. so that was a surprise in the sense that i i've lived in different countries and i have very good friends from all those countries but i've never felt like oh i'm part of this place uh-huh. kind of thing. yeah yeah well, that's cool yeah uh, cool. great to hear that fair play to all of you <laughs> fair play to you lads um what about if you had a, a mate coming over to Dublin who's mm. never been here before? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say they're coming for. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep it nice and short. They're coming for one day. Oh, um, okay. Oof. What would you do with them? I probably would just follow the trap and show them like Temple Bar, Trinity, uh, go around Grafton Street up to St Stephen's Green, and he probably then just. Find a really one of my favorite, like you know, Irish pubs, and try and hope that in that day that I'm bringing them, there will be like some trad music. Any particular places? Stags at. I Ed love yeah. Stags at. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places. That's comedy there as well, but not because only of the comedy. It's there's trad music there, and it's such a lovely pub. Yeah. And I think that just being there, having a pint of Guinness, and they're very proud of their pint of Guinness, mind you. Yeah. And it's delicious. And just being there and having a chat with my friend, I think that's what I think that's what the best thing I would show them about Dublin. Mm-hmm. Just here, sit down. There's no music. We can just have a chat. Yeah, I think that's love it. Pre- precious. I'm, I'm a big fan of Stag's Head as well. Yeah, I used to work directly opposite from it. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it caused me many alcohol. You know, <laughs> come straight at the door from work and be like, "Oh, there it is." Yeah, I'll well go in. Man. And even when it's because it's it's a perfect pub for wintertime because it's dark and yeah, and it's warm inside. But even in the summertime, people all drink outside. They put the, the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's perfect then as well. So oh they really they hit the nail on the head in in terms of how to to deal with the the different mm-hmm. um, weather that happens here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the last one is if you. Uh, Oh, the last one, the question is gone from me now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's my answer. I wouldn't say one more word about it. Yeah, maybe I already, I already said it. I was going to say mm. to you where, maybe you've already mentioned it now in the stag's head, but where would you, mm. where do you like to hang out? Like, in, um, well, in comedy clubs, I, I know this, oh my God, this whole interview is just me about comedy, uh, but... No, but that, that's fair enough. I, I, in the comedy clubs where I know where my, my buddies are gigging and performing, I, I love the feeling of after doing a show, you go to the pub upstairs, because usually they're in basements or they're in the cellar, so you go downstairs and you have a drink or you have a conversation with some of your friends, because you just performed... And we always end up, people might think that we talk a lot about what we did. No, we talk maybe about one minute about the show and then we just talk about whatever. So I, I think that means I go a lot to Chinay, Stag, whatever those places where comedy is, that's where I like to hang out. I like to be there. Then out of nowhere, some other comedian that I know I haven't seen seven months shows up. I'm like, oh my God, you're here. And then you have a chat. Uh, I think that's my favorite. I really like the night in Dublin, even when I'm not drinking, when I'm just walking about and I go to different comedy clubs to say hi to people, I like that uh, that energy, that mm. feeling. Yeah, so I think that, that that's what I would say. Yeah, that's like I like to hang out comedy clubs, 
and then in my bedroom. And because uh, <laughs> after socializing a lot, I was doing stand up. Uh, yeah, even though I'm an extrovert, like I gotta close that door. People don't talk to me for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, um, can you can be very communicative, but then I think to recharge, you need that. Need yeah, break. I need a little bit of side. Like I know for sure tonight I worked. We did this. I'm loving this, but I know for sure tonight I'm gonna be a closed door. No, no messages, nothing. I just kind of like isolate myself. Yeah. But yeah, and just kind of restore. <laughs> yeah, and then it starts again tomorrow. Yeah, and then it starts again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Pedro, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Max. Um, for anybody who's listening, I, I really appreciate you you tuning in. Uh, it really means a lot. All of the messages that we get, uh, the support. The reviews and all the stuff that you know it's just kind of it's been a little bit overwhelming actually to a certain mm-hmm. extent uh, mm-hmm. and it's definitely the reason that we're still doing this so please do reach out to us um we we always get back to people if you've got questions or if you just want to say hello mm-hmm. our email will be in the link or the description of this episode and also our instagram we can contact us there too and yeah we've also set up a little whatsapp group for people who want to join a Think they've got a whatsapp community function now on, on whatsapp so we have like announcements for our events nice. but we also have like a general chat and we've only just recently started it so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna try and not like put hundreds of people i think there's about 15 people in the group at the moment but mm-hmm. um i don't want it to get too big either because you know what can happen there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah if you want to be part of that just get in touch and we can we can organize it doesn't cost any money or anything like that um, and yeah, boom. Matt, thank you so much. Thanks, thank you for having me, and I hope you people enjoyed it. Um, we can find you on Instagram. Oh yeah, the funny Jeez. peasant. I'm always terrible at this. Yeah, so me find me the funny peasant, the underscore funny underscore peasant. I don't know why I wrote it like that, but I will uh, put that link in the description of this episode brilliant. as well. Is there anything else that you want me to share? Uh, well, just if you follow that page, you're going to find out everything. I'm d- working on a couple of projects, but I can talk about them now. So all the information about, you know, all those funny projects will be there. And um, whenever I do gigs. So if you want to, if you hear me, talk, you heard me now talk about comedy, like what kind of jokes does he say? If you follow my Instagram, you'll find out when yeah. I'm doing gigs. So that's the best way, honestly. Perfect. Thank you so much, Pedro. Thank you, Mark, man. It was Boom. great. Yeah. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.